Uh, this is Lindsay Miller, and you're listening to the Arkansas Times Week Interview Podcast on Friday, February the 23rd, sponsored by 42 Bar and Table at the Clinton Center. On today's edition, we're going to talk about Governor Hutchinson calling a special session, a sneaky voucher bill, gang and drug arrests, and maybe more. I'm joined, as usual, by Max Brantley. I'm always interested by your intro, what you pick out, because I've forgotten most of it already. <laughs> but in any event. The news keeps coming. So the governor said this week he would call a special <clears throat> session to address pharmacist complaints that they're being squeezed by pharmacy benefit managers who work for insurance companies. We talked about this some last yeah, week. Yeah, and, you know, I'm still not fully conversant with some of the intricacies of drug reimbursements. But, I mean, I know this much. The the governor and the legislative leadership got together and said, can't we please put this pharmacy reimbursement issue off and get everything else off the table? And, so, and, and they were able to accomplish that to the point that some of the people who were really interested in helping out the small-town pharmacists at least said, okay, we won't try and stop the budget. We'll, we'll go ahead with that deal. But, you know, I'm just still reading between the lines on this issue, which is it's particularly small-town pharmacists and small pharmacists and individual owners say that the, the person who decides how much they should get paid for filling prescriptions under the Blue Cross coverage of the Medicaid expansion population, which is 300,000 people. Most of whom have Blue Cross. Most most of whom have Blue Cross. <clears throat> are, are too chinchy. They, they, they're not allowing enough reimbursements. And then they added this new wrinkle to it this week in which they claim that CVS, which is the manager of this program and which also owns pharmacies itself, is paying more to its pharmacies. Whether that's true or not, I, I don't know, but certainly that would be outrageous if and, true. And they're trying to buy all the local pharmacies. This and they're trying to buy pharmacies, and, and so there's that. Uh, you know, again, I, I, I can't fully assess the merits of the pharmacy reimbursement argument, except that they certainly believe it's real, and, and certainly they used to make some money on generic prescriptions, particularly which are good for customers because they're cheaper, but and they're now not making anything like that much, maybe even losing money. And so so it's a problem, although, you know, eventually if, if, they, if they can't work something out, then they don't have the Medicaid expansion program, and then 300,000 customers go away entirely. They don't get reimbursed for anything. And, I, you know, you notice the governor saying things about, well, I really would prefer a market solution to this, and I really wish that they could work something out. And there were some closed-door meetings, and CVS came in and talked. I mean, I, I, I get pretty clearly the idea that the governor wished this could be settled privately rather than as a matter of legislation. I mean, the minute, I mean, this is a Republican administration that thinks regulation is a bad thing, and at this point the shape of how it would be regulated by the insurance department, we don't really know except they would somehow oversee it in some fashion. How much regulation, too much is too much, is a little not enough. I, anyway, I, I don't know where that's going to end up. But for now, this session will finish next week without dealing with that issue. Yeah, and you heard uh, Bart Hester, I think, uh, last week uh, showing some skepticism for any regulatory plan. Oh, right. I mean, a, a strictly regulatory drug price thing, that just runs counter to the the feelings of so many in the majority and the Republicans out there now. I mean, it's it just is against everything they stand for. It's an odd thing. So does this mean that uh, they're going to get the 75% that they need to pass the... Well, you know, they haven't done that bill yet, and I just don't know. I, I, 
I'm beginning to wonder because you know that this rule that it does require three fourths of the full membership of the Senate, 35 members, three fourths is 27 votes, and there are three seats empty right now. Uh, that means you've got to get 27 of 32 votes. That means, you know, that that uh, it doesn't take many. It only takes what five, six to stop it. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm I'm thinking that it may be hard to authorize the and and the state still doesn't have federal approval of the waiver for the work rules for Medicaid which Ace Hutchinson is throwing out as a lure for people to find the program more acceptable. It's been this, Kentucky got the waiver, now there's a lawsuit over it in Kentucky. It's not entirely clear how that's going to shake out. Lots up in the air. Well, let's move on and uh, take a break and talk about our sponsor, 42 Bar and Table. Well, it's uh, at 4.30, happy hour starts, and it runs till 6.30, and they're drink specials. But they have really good drink specials, too. Yeah. Somebody was telling me super cheap beers. <laughs> and they make a good cocktail. They make a good cold martini, I will say. Uh, there's lots of parking, but there's free valet parking. You just pull right up in front of the library, and they'll park your car for you for free. Uh, tonight, I'd have Chiapino. Lobster, mussels, clams, your choice of fish, angel hair pasta. Good for you. Good for the soul on a cold, rainy night. Or maybe chicken schnitzel, Hooner schnitzel. Mm. It's kind of like Wiener schnitzel made with chicken and some macaroni and cheese and some mushroom sauce. That sounds delicious. Last last week after we did the podcast, I had a rare night without children and met a buddy for a drink, and then we walked down to Forty Two and Good. Then had dinner. I had a a turkey burger with an egg on it and some sweet potato fries. Delicious. Sounds like something a millennial would eat. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just, <laughs> Are you a millennial? Just so. Are you a Generation X or I can't? I'm just an old head. I think, I'm, a, I think I'm on the edge. Okay. I'm in the margins. Edge somewhere. generation. I think that's something new. So moving on, the Joint Budget Committee this week approved special language <laughs> for the Treasurer's Office appropriation that would enable a tax deduction for contributions to investment funds set up to pay for private school education in K through 12, as well as college. Uh, this is the 529 plans. Well, this is a slick little deal pulled by Jason Rapert, and it's a raid on the Treasury, and it's functionally a school voucher program. And it was really passed under cover of darkness through special language without a normal debate procedure. I think you could argue it's unconstitutional. This is supposed to be a budget session. This is a, this is a policy issue. They've grafted a new policy onto the state treasury department's appropriation. I think it's ripe for a lawsuit. I hope somebody files it. But it, it's worse than that. It's dishonest. Rapert sold this as being just simply mimicking the change in federal law in which the federal government passed a rule that said these 529 savings plans for college now can be used for K-12 education, which means they can be used for private schools. One big, huge, enormous difference. You cannot get any tax deduction for money put into a 529 plan at the federal level for this money. Arkansas is going to give you a $5,000 tax deduction for money you put into this program. That's a direct state subsidy of private school education, K-12, that the federal program doesn't provide. Plus, you get a total tax exemption on earnings in the program, which is, again, money that otherwise would go to the state. They say this could cost $5 million. I think it could be more in time uh, if people take advantage of it. It certainly will primarily benefit 
high-income people who pay for their private school education. And it's, uh, I mean, it's a slippery slope, and a few Democrats stood up and tried to stop it. Interesting question about whether they could round up six people to stop the Treasurer's Office budget bill when it comes through the House or the Senate, through the Senate, or maybe even in the House. Uh, I think it's worth a try. As I say, I, it's it's bad policy. It's a school voucher, which is not a good thing, but it's bad to do legislation this way. I think it's unconstitutional. And it's not been sold, honestly. Bruce Malick, a, a Democratic senator from Magnolia, he's pretty conservative in his, it doesn't buck the conservative side much, pointed out the real difference between the state and federal program, and that was just kissed over as if it didn't matter. Well, it matters a lot. It's a million dollars out of the budget. At a, at a week in which they turned down money for kids with special education needs in public schools, after a lot of talk about improving the parole system. They turned down additional money for 30 more parole officers. It was a time in which uh, they wouldn't restore money to the public education fund that they'd taken away. It's uh, It just kind of gives you an idea of how special interests control things out there. And if, if the Republicans want to tell you they're a new and different operation than the old special interests, well, they're just lying to you. Okay. U.S. Attorney Cody Highland held a new news conference this week along with a number of local officials to announce dozens of drug and gun arrests and what they call the crackdown of gang crime. Well, okay. Maybe. I, you know, uh, they undoubtedly arrested a lot of people who had guns and drugs, and uh, they were, I think, demonstrated that several of them had ties to gangs in the city, Bloods and Crips, or offshoots of those things. Uh, there's no doubt that some of these people have been involved in in a series of various criminal events. Uh, they weren't specific, but but I take them at their word that some of the bad blood between the Bloods and the Crips led to the big shooting at the at the Power Ultra Lounge in a rap show July 1st. And uh, they said there was great... Com- cooperation between the city police and the sheriff and the prosecutors and the state police and Cody Highland is going to get a bunch of prosecutors from the state and the counties detailed to him to hurry up prosecutions of these drug crimes and gun crimes and put people away for a long time in the federal system and uh, there's no way you can say that is a bad thing I, I, I do think drugs and guns like water find exits and we can arrest 49 people and there are 49 more I think Uh, certainly this will have some depressive effect perhaps taking this number of people off the streets will reduce shootouts in the city in the short run but you know Larry Jagler the prosecutor said we knocked the crime rate and the homicide rate down during the gangbang eras of the 90s we can do it again and let's let's all hope that that's so Let's stay in Little Rock and talk about city politics, the city, uh, the city's lawsuit aiming at using a city <clears throat> ordinance to limit fundraising by the two challengers to Mayor Mark Stodola delivered legal responses this week. Yeah. Well, Warwick Saban and Frank Scott are both uh, challenging Mark Stodola for re-election, filed their response to the city's lawsuit against them, which was instigated by Stodola. Uh, saying that the State Ethics Commission has uh, ruled that you can raise money in an exploratory committee. They're not candidates for office yet. They're just exploring. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a sleight of hand, let's, let's all admit, but, but it's done. 
they say that the state can't be sued under recent Supreme Court uh, precedent set on sovereign immunity. And Frank Scott makes a, makes an argument that a lot of people thought would have emerged sooner than it than it did, but he's now raised it, which is a First Amendment argument that money is speech and that the city policy limiting him to five months of raising money before an election essentially is an infringement of his First Amendment rights. And this is this is raised by a pretty pretty solid First Amendment lawyer, John Toll. And, uh, I mean, I think it's an argument that at least is worthy of some consideration, particularly when they're trying to enforce an ordinance they're not enforcing against Mark Stola, who's keeping carryover money, though the ordinance says specifically that you can't do that. I've been wrong about a lot of things before, and I may be wrong about this, but but I think the city's decision to pursue this in court was a monumentally bad idea politically. Just, I, I haven't heard anybody saying, way to go, Mark Stolen City Board, sue those SOBs. Yeah, no. It, I, I just think it was, I think it was a tone that just should have been left alone. Now, they ought, they ought to, they ought to fix the ordinance. They need to do something. And I think the ordinance was well-intentioned, but it's, it went too far and, in any event, I, I think Mark Stodler hurt himself by engineering this. Other members of the city board should have been hurt, too. They're getting less less blame for it, but they deserve it because they voted for the lawsuit, too, and they were voting to protect themselves because they're incumbents, too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, this is a good place to plug a new podcast in our burgeoning podcast network, The Conversation with Matt Price, who's a local entrepreneur. Um, he is. It's an interview podcast, and he's starting by – at least attempting to interview all the mayoral candidates. He started with Frank Scott uh, last week, or we put it up this week, and then he's scheduled an interview with Work Saban for Monday, and I think he's close on the mayor. If the mayor's listening, you, sh- you should make time for him. So Yeah, it's just kind of an open mic kind of thing on all these issues, and I think it's a good thing. Um, and we put it in the this feed, so you can check it out, but it'll have its own feed going forward. All right, well, let's leave it there and move on to endorsements. Are we already there? Well, this is is a weird and kind of old and boring, but uh, I want to endorse national parks in general, the great treasure of the United States, and then specifically one of the ones in Arkansas, which is the Little Rock uh, Central High School National Historic Site that commemorates the desegregation crisis in 1957. I was a part of the group that kind of got this thing started, so I have a personal interest, I, I disclose. But what you need to do is get on the mailing list for the Little Rock Central High School National Historic Site. I mean, they've got a staff of permanent employees there whose job it is to study and interpret history. And, and don't and if you like history at all, don't be bored by this. Don't be. I, I happened last week to get their their uh, email, and I said, "Well, Jefferson Thomas's son's going to be in town. Jefferson Thomas is was one of the Little Rock Nine. He's the only one who's died." And I, I mean, it had never occurred to me to think about Jefferson Thomas's son. And he came and spoke, and he spoke, and they showed a, a, a documentary film done by the USIA, the government's propaganda arm, in about 1964. That was the Russians and everybody else saying America thinks they're so great that look how they treat black people in the South. Right. And so the government made this film that was kind of a a gentle rejoinder to that. And it, it visited the nine in their colleges where they were going to school and interviewed them at great length. And it was narrated by Jefferson Thomas, which is why they brought his son in to talk. And it was, the, the film was fabulous. I mean, just 
just a, a window of the 1960s and, and black kids going off to Northern colleges after a Little Rock experience. I'd never seen it before, and I thought I'd seen everything. But then Jefferson Thomas talked, and his father moved to Los Angeles and became an accountant, and so he grew up in Los Angeles. And guess what? He was subjected to discrimination, too, in California, and and and, and, and is not a little bit bitter about it, which is not unsurprising but was a funny guy too I think inherited his father's sense of humor so in any event I this was something that I just happened to get by email and I, and I was only about 20 people down there small little crowd and but I thought boy isn't this great that the government supports an operation that keeps alive important aspects of our history and on and on a regular basis brings in interesting people who talk and show films and so get on get on the little rock central mailing list and every now and then go down there you might be surprised that sounds great i'm gonna endorse an album by a band with a dumb name the the band's called car seat headrest and it's a, a new sort of indie rock album. I say sort of because uh, the it's basically a one-man band, I think maybe with a revolving lineup, but prolific uh, musician who recorded a lot in his teens. I think he's only in his early 20s. He recorded an album a long time ago that sort of was a cult classic among his fans, and then this year he re-recorded it. Well, I guess because he liked the songs and he just felt like he could do better. Um, but it's it's uh, super earwormy. I spent a lot of my teens and twenties listening to indie rock music bands like Built to Spill and Pavement and Destroyer and the Mountain Goats, but have not really listened to contemporary indie rock. All those bands are funny. <laughs> it's the names. Yeah, uh, I haven't really listened to like, like the nicknames and the gang bus this week. <laughs> Fizio and company, but in any event. Uh, anyway, it's a it's a great album he's a one-man band well I, I mean it's one guy he think he has other people to play with him but he's not one of those guys that's blowing a harmonica and playing a guitar and got a foot on a no, on a no. bass drum pedal I, at the same time he may be playing everything in the studio uh, but no, i think he's got a band okay just just check it so check it out and go to 42 and tell him we sent you yeah and tell him we sent you for sure and subscribe to the podcast and once we have a feed going for the conversation subscribe to that ditto for no small talk our arts entertainment podcast which you can hear on soundcloud now all right we'll be back next week see ya. yeah